Lincolnshire LMC, supporting Lincolnshire's general practices to provide great care. I'm Lucy doddington Boys. I'm a GP in Lincolnshire and I also work with Lincolnshire LMC as the uh, GP lead for education. So welcome back um, everybody that's listening. Uh, today we're talking about hyperferritinemia, um, so high ferritin levels and are joined again by Dr Sridharan from the gastroenterology <coughs> department uh, at ULHT who is very kindly going through discussing in detail these new pathways and giving us plenty to be thinking about and um, loads of the different learning points. So thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you very much, Lucy, and hi, everyone. Um, so um, to put things in perspective, um, the hyperferritinemia pathway uh, is as important or if not um, more important uh, than any other liver pathway. Um, that we have discussed so far, <clears throat> uh, because uh, I would say this is probably the third commonest reason why patients are referred into hepatology. Uh, previously, hyperferritinemia used to be referred to hematology, and uh, about seven years ago, um, or seven or eight years ago, uh, we had a chat with the hematologist as um, uh, we wanted to um, shift the management of hemochromatosis patients under hepatology because of the obvious target organ damage and the assessment and the monitoring for the same. And as part of that, we also uh, suggested that all the hyperferritinemia are redirected to uh, gastroenterology. Uh, but that was quite a while ago. But despite that, we were still uh, having referrals uh, from hematology after the patient had been initially referred to them for investigations. The reason, again, for that is the commonest reason for hyperferritinemia are to do with the chronic liver disease. And of course, uh, genetic hemochromatosis is fairly common in Northern Europe, but uh, the number of patients with fatty liver uh, or alcohol-related liver disease are much, much higher than the prevalence of uh, genetic hemochromatosis. And hence, uh, it would uh, probably be um, fitting if uh, the hyperferritinemia patients are being referred into uh, gastroenterology hepatology in the first instance uh, to identify um, the underlying condition regardless of whether it's a genetic one or if it's because of their chronic liver disease. So if uh, the patient uh, has a high ferritin level and we all know ferritin is an acute phase response um, agent so in any inflammation, infection, uh, malignancy, or any stress to the body, uh, you would have a, a higher ferritin level. But these are transient high ferritin levels. And so one has to explore for these conditions. And if the answer is yes, then that particular condition need to be investigated and treated appropriately. So one would have to check the full blood count, CRP, low biochemistry, bone screen, immunoglobulins, and a variety of other things, and even clinical review of that patient uh, for any of the above conditions. And if there is any suspicion that there is a malignancy which is driving the high ferritin, even though if it's acute, then uh, they need to be referred through the urgent two-week weight referral pathway of whichever malignancy is suggested. Now, at that point, if none of those are apparent and if the patient is asymptomatic, then it is likely that they have a chronic hyperferritinemia. 
This is often evident when you review their past blood tests over several years. And patients with hyperthreatinemia, even though um, checked few and far between, might um, give you the answer of a ferritin which has been present at a higher level for ages. So those are the patients who would need uh, further investigations to establish whether it is primary hemochromatosis or it is hyperferritinemia due to other conditions, which are much more common. Now, if this ferritin, which is raised, is persistently more than a thousand, then the possibility of them being genetic hemochromatosis is fairly high. And if that is the case, all uh, you need to do is check the fasting transferrin saturation levels times twice. And that could be within a matter of a week or two weeks. Uh, they need a fasting transferrin saturation levels times two. And in those patients who have a ferritin level of more than a thousand, it would be prudent to send the HFE genetic study at this point in time. So this is the often the referral that we actually get. They get a raised ferritin level. Do I need to check for HFE genetics? So that is your patient group that you would not even ask a gastroenterologist. You would just check it along with the transfer and saturation. So if that is the case, what we suggest is you do these two tests and then you just refer them to gastroenterology. So even if their genetic study is negative, if the ferritin levels are more than a thousand, we need to be investigating them for other things. So at that stage, it's entirely reasonable to refer the patient along to hepatologist, provided you have just sent those two tests, the HFE genetic test and the two fasting transfer and saturation levels. Now, if the patient has a higher ferritin, but not quite over a thousand, that could be 500, that could be 400, that could be 600, but it's not over a thousand. In those patients, we would want to see whether there is iron overload or not. And for that, the test required is the transfer and saturation, fasting transfer and saturation times two. So that can be checked in the community. Now, if the fasting transfer and saturation is more than 45%, so different guidelines use different cutoff. The BSG guidelines use 50% for men and 40% for women. The uh, ESIL guidelines, which is the European Association of Study of the Liver, that uh, uses 45% for everyone. So it doesn't really matter uh, whether we are talking about 45 or 50. So we have gone with a, 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 a easel guidelines of 45%. So if the transfer and saturation is more than 45%, regardless of whether they are male or female, then uh, these patients need to have uh, HFE1 genetic testing done. And these patients should be referred to hepatology using the hyperferritinemia form. So either the patient has a ferritin of more than a thousand and or they have a fasting transfer and saturation, which is in the iron overload range, they get direct referral. Now, if the transfer and saturation is not more than 45%, so that indicates that the patient is not having iron overload. So they are having hyperferritinemia without any iron overload. Um, the reason, the reason why they have the hyperferritinemia is probably a condition which is not primary genetic hemochromatosis. So that is likely to be liver in the first instance. And what are the liver conditions that can actually cause any chronic liver disease can give rise to hyperferritinemia. 
and that could be alcohol related and they could have alcohol excess without liver disease or that could be non-alcoholic fatty liver or that could be chronic hepatitis B, chronic hepatitis C, all of those liver diseases would, um, can cause hyperferritinemia. And the commonest is fatty liver disease. That is because one in four people in the UK are at risk or already have non-alcoholic fatty liver. Now, there are other conditions, however, which might be completely unrelated to their liver, and that could be any form of uh, chronic inflammation or infection or malignancy, um, and hence, they would need a full non-invasive liver screen as well as immunoglobulins and CRP uh, and an ultrasound, which would probably give you the answers to what the underlying um, condition could be. Now, all of these test results would then either give you the answers, and if they do give you the answer, if you find alcohol uh, related liver disease because of alcohol excess, then follow the alcohol liver disease pathway. If they have abnormal liver biochemistry, then you follow the abnormal liver biochemistry pathway. If they had fatty liver on ultrasound, then you follow the NAFLD pathway. Or if you suspect your investigations have um, given you um, a direction towards some other inflammation or malignancy, somebody might have even uh, an endocarditis, somebody might have you know, something related to their spine in the long run. <clears throat> so you need to then refer them accordingly um, to that specialty. Now, if uh, the abnormality has not been identified at all on all of these tests and the ultrasound, then there are a few conditions which cause a benign raised hyperferritinemia and a couple of conditions which are inherited. There can be hereditary hyperferritinemia, uh, syndromes, which can be with cataracts, which can be without cataracts, and also uh, patients who do have acheruloplasminemia can also have raised ferritin. So these are pretty rare but benign conditions, and the best way to deal with them is if you've not come to any conclusion here, send an advice and guidance referral to gastroenterology, and we will try and um, try and see, and we might suggest what tests you might need to do in that kind of situation. But there are patients who have rare forms of genetic hemochromatosis who do not have the HFE mutation, but they can have a, a significant form of genetic hemochromatosis. And often, this is a situation where they are heterozygote for the commonest mutation, but that should not give you an iron overload, and that should not give you a raised ferritin of a, a certain extent. So those things need to be unraveled and investigated. And if you are actually suspecting one of those, then again, the advice and guidance would actually tell you they need to be coming in for uh, a formal hepatology consult and further genetic sequencing and testing. But that is uh, uh, not in the primary care remit, and those are the patients you would probably want to refer. I mean, that's a really interesting takeaway for me, you know, that, that actually, you know, we could be <clears throat> falsely reassured by a negative genetic test. Is, is that what you're saying? That, you, you know, just because someone's got a negative test, it doesn't it completely exclude the possibility of a genetic element. So don't you know, don't be falsely reassured. Yeah, in, in the vast majority, yes. But in those patients, you would probably have one of these conditions. Yeah. But if you don't have any of those, then it is worth excluding that rare patient with a, a non-HFE genetic hemochromatosis. That's really interesting. Yeah, and, and to put things in perspective, we picked up 
three rare non-genetic hemochromatosis in just one year. Wow. Okay. I mean, that just shows the benefit of, of a pathway like this because it's quite short. It's, um, you know, it's simple. It's easy to follow. There's a really helpful explanatory sort of note that comes with the pathway. Um, but it really does kind of iron out those details and it helps to kind of have a really nice, easy flow chart just to work through to hopefully not miss anything. Um, so, yeah, this has been so informative. Um, thank you so much for talking it through with me. Yeah, in, in, in my mind, uh, the most important thing that I want to uh, the GPs to uh, take away from this pathway is not the one that needs the advice and guidance referral. It's the majority that's going to be in this lot. Absolutely. Going the, down the, the ARLD pathway, the abnormal low biochemistry pathway or the NAFLD pathway and get their FIP4 skills done and yeah. either be able to reassure that patient or send the patient in for a fibro scan because that's where most of the patients will be. Absolutely, wow. Yeah, and, and, and I'm hoping that this pathway will give them the confidence to go down that route rather yeah. than referring them in. Yeah, I think it's it's it certainly is a very comprehensive pathway, um, answers lots of questions. It, 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 it predominantly answers questions rather than, you know, creating more of them, which is what I really, really like about it. And it's it's been designed, you know, involving primary care for primary care um, with your expertise. So um, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk through it with uh, me today and um, answering all the questions. So thank you so much. Thank you very much, Lucy. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.